Welcome to episode 26 of Central Intelligence Cinema. This was recorded quite recently and covers the latest spy movie Intel, as well as our first impressions, spoiler-free, of the latest Matthew Vaughn movie, The King's Man. But with that, take it away, Pierce. Beg your pardon, forgot to knock. Welcome to the CIC, initiating security clearance. My name is Napoleon Soto. Bond. James Bond. Ethan Hunt. Felix Leiter. Ilya Kuriaki. Identity confirmed. Now, pay attention, 007. Welcome to Central Intelligence Cinema, a podcast dedicated to spy movies and secret agent pop culture. Your mission, should you decide to accept it. Remember, nothing ever goes according to plan. Tom, what do you think you're doing? Keeping the British hand on Recorded from yet another undisclosed location from something that came from some kind of a spy movie. It's a Central Intelligence Cinema Podcast. I'm Jason Greenberg, and with me, as always, Ben Esslinger. Thank you, Jason. Thank you, Jason. And welcome back to the CIC. We're finally back. Ish. Or, or were we ever actually gone? I mean, <laughs> spies. Indeed. Indeed. You, you come, you go, you, you disappear. Nobody you never sees know. You. you never know. Yes. But uh, welcome back to the uh, CIC, the podcast that asks the question, is Daniel Craig the George Lucas of the modern spy genre? <laughs> when, when have we ever asked that question? We haven't, but I'm going to ask it very soon. Oh, dear. (laughs) Uh, I'll just move on from that for now. (laughs) But uh, welcome back. It's good to be back. It's good to hear the music. Puts me in a good mood. Makes me think, hey, we can do things and make stuff. (laughs) Yeah. Be creative. (laughs) Be creative and stuff. So, yeah, we are back with another Intel report here for you. And then, of course, after we get through uh, some of these little bits of Intel, Uh, We will be talking about The King's Man, the most recent uh, Kingsman movie. We'll be giving our spoiler-free-ish reaction to the movie. I think we can probably probably play it a little loose just because, you know, it's pretty easy. It's been out a little bit. It's been out just for a little bit, but, you know. We'll we'll try to dodge the more dicey stuff i think and indeed indeed you know it's it's really more of a you know kind of a re it's less of a review more of a you know more of a reaction how, yeah, yeah how we feel reaction. about it is that yeah. what the kids are doing the youtube the youtubers the out videos? there doing the reaction the, videos the unboxing that? the uh is, is that like you know the uh yeah. when, when they show the trailer for star wars and and they show Matthew McConaughey crying. You know, is that a reaction video? It could be. It, that could very well be. Or it's just like the 13-year-old kid that all you just see is his eyes go wide, and then they go low, and then they go squinty, and then you just, uh, yeah, I, I think that's what we're doing, but verbally. The 13-year-old kid, 52-year-old kid. I mean, well, you know. you know. <laughs> Same, same difference. <laughs> but uh, well, I suppose we should uh, get into the uh, into the intel, and uh, all right, we'll, we'll we'll just kick it from there. Sounds good. Looking for a news story? Impress me. Transmitting CIC Intel dossier. They'll print anything these days. Jason, spy. Ben! I just I have to tell you. 
spy slash espionage television. It's having a moment, man. It, yeah, it is sure having, seems like it is. It kind of seems like it is because there's a bunch of new stuff that is coming out on TV that is very spy, secret agent-y, good stuff, bad stuff, maybe... I don't know. We'll we'll find Stuff. out. I top loaded it though, so hopefully the <laughs> we'll slowly start feeling downtrodden the further down this list we go. But Fair we'll enough. start with the good stuff. So the first one that I have just recently become aware of is called Slow Horses, which is a new spy series on Apple TV starring Gary Oldman and is set to arrive on April 1st, the uh, the series will chronicle the work of agents who operate on what's called a, quote, dumping ground for MI5. This dumping ground, the uh, Slow House, which is the nickname of the espionage department, which is a home for disgraced spies who dropped the ball at some point in their careers and are then sent there to live out the rest of their professional life without causing trouble or ruffling feathers. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but you know, the problem is when you put a bunch of misfits together, they're bound to do something interesting. But the, the thing that the thing for me is just the fact that it's Gary Oldman. Well, you know, I've heard some good things about this Gary Oldman kid. Uh, I think he's probably going to be a mover and a shaker in the next few years. Yeah. From what I've heard, he seems to know how to act and he's, he's quite good, you know, well, only time will tell, I suppose. <laughs> yeah. It's funny though. I saw a picture of this guy and. He bears a striking resemblance to the actor that played uh, Commissioner Gordon in the Christopher Nolan Batman movies, mm. but uh, he also looks a lot like the guy that was in Fifth Element that played the bad guy Zork. It, he kind of looks like the guy that plays Sirius Black in uh, yeah, Harry yeah, yeah, Potter. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I'm, yeah, but he obviously can't be that guy because that guy is always wearing makeup and is you know like some balding 40 year old woman with uh, appliances on that couldn't uh, possibly clearly. be the scary old man guy i, I mean yeah who knows i mean i don't know we don't what do we know um but <laughs> you yeah. know this uh this show from the premise and i'm sure that it's just very lightly from the premise but mm-hmm. it sort of has sort of a, of a, a prisoner the prisoner e feel to it do you know the the TV show The Prisoner with Patrick McGuhan from the 60s? I am not familiar with that, but okay. I just uh, like so- the whole idea of a ragtag gang of misfit spies. Right. Right. Well, so this one uh, uh the the premise was this is also where spies go, but it's like a resort where oh, like geez. Hotel California, you can check in anytime you like. <laughs> but you can never leave. Ah. Uh, he, he is prisoner number six, if I recall correctly. And basically it chronicles him trying to get out of this resort mm. and back into the real world with all sorts of mod 60s, weird 80s who or 60s Whovian kind of things. Go- I mean, it's right. very trippy and psychedelic. They did a remake of it in the early aughts. Uh, I don't remember who was in it. It was bad uh, <laughs> because it really needed that weird, trippy, campy stuff to make it worthwhile. But just the idea that you've got these basically disgraced spies who are set right. to go live somewhere away from the rest of the world because of what they know. I just kind of like, Hmm, are they all going to show up in schoolboy jackets with numbers on them? I don't know. <laughs> well, it should be interesting. I mean, there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of material to work off of because I believe it's based on the best-selling series by Mick Heron, and I believe he's got like ten books out of of this 
series that starts with slow horses. And um, we get, even in addition to Gary Oldman, we've got Jonathan Price, a Bond alumni. Um, We've got Kristen Scott (laughs) Thomas. And uh, and then we've got Jack Loden, who was in Dunkirk. So we also can't forget that Jonathan Price played one of the greatest spies in 1980s cinema. Jumping Jack Flash. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, I forgot about that. That's a movie to that's a movie to review. Uh, if we go into another comedy, that was gonna be my next suggestion. <laughs> nice, nice. So yeah. Anything with John Lovitz in it is wonderful. Acting. Acting. <laughs> so uh yeah. And then moving right along, the next thing that's coming to TV very soon, but I'm sure a lot of people already know about this one, is the new Ipcris File TV show that's uh, debuting on ITV this month sometime. Um, There is no release date for the US as far as I know yet, but I know AMC Plus is supposed to get it. Um, I watched the teaser clip. Um, and that looked really cool. And it stars Joe Cole, who was on Peaky Blinders. Although I never actually got into Peaky Blinders, which is weird because it's that seems like it should be right up my alley. And yet I haven't I haven't seen that one yet. But uh, but the trailer for this one looks really, really good. Also, I think if I'm not mistaken, the Ipcris file is also an old TV show from either the late 60s or the early 70s. So they adapted it from the movies even back then? Maybe I'm thinking the movie is what I'm yeah, thinking. Yeah, yeah, the uh, um, Michael Caine, the Michael Caine uh, movie. That's that's right. Michael Caine is in that movie. That's right. I don't think I ever saw it because <laughs> I don't really care much about Ipcris. <laughs> um, in fact, every time I see the world word Ipcris, all I think of is Ipwich Clam. So yeah. <laughs> um, and then uh, this one, well. We'll just have to see if it's any good. Um, this one's set to hit Paramount Plus in the fall, and it's called Rabbit Hole, and it stars Kiefer Sutherland. Um, <laughs> Jason's shaking his head. And here's okay. Here's the premise that is listed on Deadline, because I got the story off of Deadline. He plays private espionage operative James Weir, who, quote, finds himself in the midst of of a battle over the preservation of democracy in a world at odds with misinformation, behavioral manipulation, the surveillance state, and the interests that control these extraordinary powers. That pretty much sounds like 2022. That doesn't really sound, it's kind of weird that they phrase it as he finds himself in the midst of something that is exactly what we're living through as we speak. Yeah, I don't have any comments. I fell asleep halfway through your description, so I can tell well, it's going to be compelling. <laughs> so Maybe they should hire the other Sutherland instead. I'd rather watch him do anything rather than his son. I, well, <laughs> you may be right. <laughs> but moving on to movies, um, we've got a couple little bits and pieces of movie intel coming up here. So the upcoming uh, Gal Gadot-led spy thriller Heart of Stone has now added uh, Jamie Dornan from uh, Fifty Shades of Grey to the cast. Oh, my. Oh, my. Oh, my. Oh, my. So, yeah, uh, 2022 is really shaping up to be the super hot people spy movie year. Between, Between the gray man and this, it's like, They've found every single hot person in Hollywood to make a spy movie 
with. Let's just hope one of these two movies doesn't suck or any of the other movies coming out that. Well, I'll tell you, if I, was, if I was going to go out on a limb, I'm going to say that Heart of Stone is probably going to suck way harder than Gray Man. Oh, absolutely. Either of the two are going to be suck worthy. Indeed, uh, indeed. I mean, even just just seeing the the pictures that Netflix revealed recently of the Gray Man has got me relatively optimistic. Although the way that they, I don't know, did you ever watch that that Netflix teaser reel that they put out? They no. put out this they put out this reel maybe about 3 weeks ago and it it was just a super tease of every single movie that they intend to release this year. But they did this really weird thing with it where within each of the little mini previews of all these different movies they shot specific stuff where characters from the movies broke the fourth wall and talked to the viewer like, and check out this when it comes, you know, and whatever, you know, like that. I was just like, oh, my God, dude, really? And that and honestly, that really killed it for me. Like when they did the whole breaking the fourth wall in the middle of the scene, I'm like, yeah. That just lowers all expectations for how this is going to turn out. It's like those old direct TV commercials where they would take a clip from a famous uh, 80s movie and then have the actor. I I remember the one Shatner and Wrath of Khan, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's how much money apparently Netflix has now that they can just do stuff like that and not care. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, anyway. So yeah, that happened. But uh, regardless, I think the Gray Man's going to be really good. I'm well hoping. Ditto. But uh, speaking of spy movies that will probably suck, <laughs> this one I have no doubt about. Um, it was recently announced. I nearly threw my laptop out the window actually when I saw <laughs> this news. It was so bad. This this is such this is terrible. But I'm just we have to talk about it. It was announced that Tara Reid of all people will be starring in the upcoming soon-to-flop spy movie, Cold Sun. She plays an MI6 agent, clearly the least believable role assignment since Christmas Jones. <laughs> Actually, I would say that given between the two... I would I would believe I'm Christmas gonna buy, Jones. I'm going to believe Denise Richards is a nuclear scientist well over Tara Reid as an English spy (laughs) yeah this is uh wow the uh the log line for this one reads two inexperienced female operatives are thrust into a violent world they will have to learn fast if they want to survive (laughs) oh my god and this This is is this is not a comedy right this is a a serious movie i think it's probably going to be played like a serious movie but you're going to watch it and it's just it's basically going to be a comedy it's like watching a movie that's so bad it's funny that's the only way milkshake that's all i can think of is gunpowder milkshake Mm. yeah rough but on a slightly more optimistic view in the movies um there's a movie called the brick layer that's coming out and this stars aaron eckhart as an ex-CIA operative brought back to the agency on a mission to uncover the identity of an unknown perpetrator slaughtering foreign members of the media and framing the CIA for the killings. So um, it's set to be directed by Die Hard 2 director uh, Rennie Harlan and co-produced by Gerard Butler, (laughs) along with uh, Millennium Media. So... (laughs) 
Um, and I guess shooting is set to begin in Greece this month on that. So that's interesting. I mean, you know, Randy Harlan can make a pretty good action film. Yeah. I'm curious to see what kind of shape Aaron Eckhart is in or uh, how much he's willing to do as an action hero. But but maybe it's more of a thriller. Who knows? I mean, it maybe could it's be. more thriller than action. And But I mean, with the Die Hard 2 director in there, I mean, that's something. <laughs> you know, Randy Harlan used to be married to uh, Gina Davis back in the day. Well um, done. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I mean, he, he's an action film guy. He made... Uh, Oh, what's that one? The one that uh, Gina Davis did with um, Samuel L. Jackson. Long Kiss Goodnight. The, the Long Kiss, Kiss, Kiss Goodnight. Yes. That, that was, was the one. And The Adventures of Fort Fairlane, which everybody <laughs> knows is a modern classic. <laughs> you know, <laughs> considering that it's a vehicle for Andrew Dice Clay, mm -hmm. it's not horrible <laughs> it wasn't the worst movie i watched that year i will grant you that <laughs> so uh yeah we could say maybe we're cautiously optimistic cautiously optimistic i mean considering who's at the helm considering who's acting in it i do like aaron eckhart i do and if gerard butler's involved in production there's nothing to say he's not going to be in the movie that would be fun if he showed up. Especially somewhere. if he's the bad guy. Wouldn't oh, that be yeah. Great? Could you imagine? He never plays bad guys. You look at him and you're like, he'd be a good bad guy. He's built to be a bad guy. He kind of is, really. So, and then one final note, and this is just sort of, this is just sort of gossip. Blah, 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 blah. But this is a Mission Impossible 7 news, if you can even call it that. Um, there's been stories emerging that Tom Cruise is supposedly in, quote, crisis talks with Paramount due to the ballooning of MI7's budget, uh, close to $300 million. But this is all due to the repeated shutdown surrounding the pandemic. Right. Um, as a point of reference, um, No Time to Die cost $250 million to produce, and that was pre-pandemic. Now, Granted, Eon is notorious for wasting money or spending far too much money on everything. Sure. I recently learned, I don't know if we ever discussed this, but some of the shots from No Time to Die of the ice, the scene towards the beginning of the movie where mm -hmm. Safin is shooting into the ice. Mm -hmm. Yeah. They shipped a giant hunk of ice to the studio to do it there. Because supposedly it would be cheaper than doing it CGI. Supposedly. And it costs does, like 35 grand to ship this giant hunk of ice to. I, I don't know what the, the logistics were involved in making it look like there was ice out wherever they were at. But yeah, I, I guess if you're depending on the quality level you're looking for, maybe. I but just it really uh, whenever, seems kind of like. Uh, yeah, I mean, what would be cooler is gossip for the movie after it comes out. Well, yeah. And the thing is, too, is that little tidbit is according to the book, the the making of No Time to Die, that like supposedly that it would have been more expensive to do with CGI. I wonder if that's true. Well, you know, what we could do is we could call the companies at the title at the end of the credits and ask them how much it would cost to uh, make a CGI lake for our movie. Yeah. <laughs> 
I'll, I'll just get in touch with Babs, you know. Hey, you know, I, I, I'll, I'll start making some cold calls if you want. <laughs> Hi, Weta. Uh, this is uh, Bob McFraggledagen. Uh, I represent uh, the Ubi Doobie Shooby Doobie Production Company. <laughs> um, but I will say, okay, so getting back to Mission Impossible. The other thing about this whole silly story is that Fallout made 800 something million. So they're going to make the money back. At least I think they are. I mean, I feel like there's a lot more excitement for a new Mission Impossible movie, quite frankly, than Bond right now. I agree, especially in the foreign markets. Yeah. Where Tom Cruise is still somebody people pay money to go see. Right. Oh, oh did I say that out loud? I'm sorry. <laughs> no. Also, uh, while I was snooping around regarding this story, I saw a little clip of Tom Cruise in South Africa talking to fans just like saying hello to fans or whatever and he looked so good and the reason i bring it up is because there were you remember how there were a couple photos of him maybe like i don't know like three four months ago where people were saying oh his face looks puffy or oh he looks Mm -hmm. like he's gained some weight like they saw him at a baseball game or something or i remember whatever let me tell you something he looked jacked like he looked good in that video and that was recent 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 so yeah i don't, I well, don't they, think i think they just sent him back and redid the outer chassis um <laughs> scrub some of that synthoderm off they, uh, they re- put him in that ba- what's that thing that boba fett uh lays put in? him in back they put him in a back to tank that's right so they put him in a back to tank. <laughs> so he could have he could have flashbacks about how he was fighting sand people in a an Oxford shirt and his underwear with a pair of Ray-Ban sunglasses on. And then when it, at the last minute, just before he defeated the sand people, he turned around and he a couple of F-14s flew over his head. <laughs> exactly. Uh, anyway, that's all I'm trying to say is dude looked badass and i'm sure mission impossible 8 will look he'll look just fine for those uh, you movies know, coming I, up i'm pretty sure I, I, this i i may have said this before i don't remember but i think mission impossible 8 is going to be the last one well everything i've read lately has said that they don't intend to end the series they just intend to have tom cruise step away from the lead character so basically it's the last one <laughs> quite possibly well, what what are you gonna who are you gonna put in there well, let's get jeremy renner back well, he's see, not doing my, anything my dream is for rebecca uh ferguson yes yeah, yeah to and, take and, uh, over which i want cool. ilsa to become the new ethan that's what i want okay that's just that's and, just yeah me. and i i i am I'm, that would be great it'd be nice that they hand it off any more natural way than just saying no, it's Jamie Bond. Right. Yeah. You know, yeah. you know, a character that has established your chops is part of the canon. Right. And then all we get is Tom Cruise and 9, 10, 11, and 12 going, your mission, should you choose to accept it. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> <laughs> and him running somewhere. Well, he would always be running with the secret mission. Here you go. <laughs> throw it at her and then run away. <laughs> and then something would blow up and he'd go sideways all of a sudden. <laughs> Well, I suppose we should get into the uh, the true meat and potatoes of this episode, though. The two of us uh, recently had the uh, chance to see the new Kingsman movie, The King's Man, the prequel. And uh, yeah, what did you think? 
give me your give me your quick give me your quick fire uh opinion my, my quick fire opinion third best kingsman movie i've ever watched <laughs> indeed the third best kingsman movie i have ever seen <laughs> i i wholeheartedly second that um i mean it was entertaining it absolutely was with, okay i'll say this it was entertaining except for about 30 minutes right in the middle like if i had to describe this movie i would say that it's essentially two different movies separated by a drawn out bummer moment halfway through the movie pretty much like that little moment kills it for me just a little bit because it's it moves so slowly just drags and i don't i i feel like it's the weakest part of the movie it's it's why it's also why it feels like two separate movies Oh, because you've sure. got this thing going on at the beginning with his son. Right. And then you've got this mission happening at the end. And granted, they're all tied together, but they really feel because it's two missions. Essentially, you've got mission right. number one to kill uh, Rasputin. And then mission number two is the head, the, the top of the organization right. that they're trying to take. Which, down. by the way. <laughs> Well, yeah, too spoilery. <laughs> trying to weigh it up. Never mind. Uh, you won't be surprised by the person who's in charge of the bad guys. Let me put it oh, to you that I, way. It is so predictable. It, it, I mean, which I think also is the largest problem of this movie. Yeah. Is now I'm going to go. I'll, I'll say right up front. I don't go to a movie like this looking to see something original or right. unplanned or unexpected. Mm-hmm. Other than maybe I don't know. Elton John in his big feathery boa outfit doing a slow motion karate kick and smiling to the camera while breaking the fourth wall. I like that. (laughs) But there was absolutely nothing else about the sequel to Kingsman that surprised me in any way, shape, or form. Other than you got good quality actors doing good quality work in a movie that was so far below what their abilities were that it could only elevate what it is. And I think that's the case with this movie, too. Yes, absolutely. I was so... Uh, shocked at how hard uh, Ray Fiennes threw himself into this role. Oh yeah, given Absolutely. given what this movie is, I mean, he's got to know what he he's getting himself into with Absolutely. this type of movie, and he threw himself into this thing full fledged. Not to mention the fact that the guy is fifty nine years old, and he rocked it. I mean, as right. far as the physicality, as far as believing that he's fighting these other people and doing all this stuff it was very believable i was absolutely i was really impressed with ray fines like that that part of it i have no complaints with i also loved uh rise i don't know how to spell pronounce his last name rise fans the guy that plays uh rasputin Rasputin, yeah he is (laughs) i mean a little over the top but 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 what I was going to say is, is that everybody that plays Rasputin in a movie looks just like this guy and talks just like this guy <laughs> and acts just it's like you get cast as Rasputin and you have to be like you got you cast as Elvis. Have, you immediately have the dog. <laughs> well, yeah. But I mean, what's oh uh, gosh, what's his name? Uh, the guy that's in um, 
I think it's Fargo, the tall guy that talks like this. He played Lucifer in uh, the original Constantine with Keanu. I can never remember the guy's name, but he, uh, he's just he's a big, tall guy with a European sounding accent. Maybe right. Russian, maybe German. No, <laughs> no, for sure. He played it the same way. The guy who played Rasputin in Hellboy pretty much played him the same way, but with no hair. And he looked oh, a lot boy. like our friend Andrew. But um, <laughs> I feel like when you play Rasputin in a movie, it's like if you play Elvis in a movie. There's only one way to play that character, and right. everybody has to play it that way. Right. But he was a little more playful, I think, in his characterization yeah. than some people have been in the past and i liked his there was a certain physicality to him that i liked yes Um, aside from the pseudo mars attacks floating under the rope thing at least the (laughs) the hips weren't swaying while he was going but but yeah and and when he takes a bite of that giant cake or whatever it is oh yeah it's just hamming it up just like making it as gross as he can make it look just oh that that whole scene though was uncomfortable. Oh, the whole, that whole Ew. scene with him and Ray Fiennes is just. It was like it was, there is a. How am I going to put this so that I don't spoil this? I'm just going to say it's kind of a very kind of lingacy moment <laughs> that happens <laughs> during this whole encounter that is really uncomfortable. It was a scene between Silva and Bond and Skyfall. But so much more uncomfortable. But turned way up past eleven. I mean, uh, yeah. But uh, yeah, yeah. You know, I, I really, I really think that this movie just needed to be almost two movies. It kind of almost did. I, they I just fe- didn't do a very good job. It, it went, like you said, it went from being basically a political intrigue thriller mm-hmm. to a spy action movie. Right. The very hard left turn. Yes. And, and honestly, I felt like that was a misstep. The The choice that they made in the middle of the movie was a misstep. Yes. I'll just leave it at that. I don't know. It was just kind of. Eh. But <laughs> and yet along the way, there are all these really fun moments. And I mean, some of the fight coordinating is is really great. I mean. The fights with, um, I'm, I'm probably going to murder his name. I, I looked up how to say it, but I believe it's pronounced uh, Jaiman Hansu, the guy it's that plays for me, the guy that plays Merlin, a.k.a. the driver. He is so good in all of the fight scenes and oh, yeah. just just in general, like what a great actor and just uh, a, a awesome person to look at. He's interesting to look at and. He has a great physicality as an actor. You see it in uh, in Gladiator. You see yes, it in yes. um, you see it in Guardians of the Galaxy. You see it in specifically in Captain Marvel, where he has a much larger part and that says that same character. Yeah, but I think you know he just looks like an imposing person that yes. could spring into action like a coiled spring Doing! and be ready exactly. to go. Exactly, so and he still it. has this elegance to him. Yes, even even with all that. Which is, I don't know. I just, I'll watch him in just about anything, really. Absolutely. But he he was kind of a highlight for me in the movie. I thought the son was very one note. I really wish they would have given him more to do or wrote him in a different way. Well, he clearly had one role in the movie and uh, he served <laughs> that role. Yeah. Um, yeah. 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 But, you know. 
I, in fact, if we were going spoilery, I could go off on a 10 minute tangent about why his uh, uh, role in the movie could have been flip flop with his dad and would have made it much better. Yes. But, um, yes. But I won't because it's spoilery free. Yeah. Ish. Um, ish. <laughs> other highlights. Um, I did really like uh, Gemma Arteron as Vintage? the kind of. Like there were there were things I liked the spunkiness. You know what the thing is though is I kind of have a problem with her all around. <laughs> <laughs> only because and and it's only because of and I know this shouldn't affect my opinion, but when she had that little soundbite about how she just it it felt like she was biting the hand that fed her when she was sort of bad mouthing Bond and how. In Quantum of Solace, she was underused, which granted is true. She was underused in Quantum of Solace, but I don't like the idea of like slamming a movie that pretty much gave you your entire career, at least. I got to say, when you're going into a Bond movie as a Bond girl, what are you expecting? Yeah, that's the other part of it is like you kind of know what you signed up for there. You so, did get the second most iconic death in a Bond film next to Goldfinger. Yeah. So, and you had the second worst Bond girl name. <laughs> so, I mean, I don't know. I've I've always every time I see her now in the news, I get kind of me. I kind of yeah, get kind I, I of think... scrunchy about it. But then again, I need to like sort of get on. To, you know, it's it's fine. You know, yeah. I, I understand where she's coming from. I understand her point. I just think sometimes you just need to be grateful for the opportunities that are thrown your way. That's all I'm saying. True. Remember, there are no there are no small parts, only small actors. That's right. That's right. But yeah, I kind of liked her in in this the spunkiness and the there's a moment where well, trying to avoid spoilery things. She's just she's sort of an interesting counterpoint to um Jaiman Hanzu's character. I, I definitely agree, but uh, I feel like, you know, we had such good female characters in the first two. Yeah. And she kind of just felt like wall decoration, like we just threw her in there for the sake of argument. It, it yes, it kind of felt like I kind of get the vibe that Matthew Vaughn felt obligated to have some sort of quote unquote strong female character in the movie. Mm -hmm. And he just sort of shoehorned her in. (laughs) Well, and again, because you could, you could literally take her out of the movie. And with the exception of one scene, you know, you would not miss nothing would change in the movie at all. Agreed. And again, you know, uh, I'm going to go ahead and say this since it's at the very beginning of the movie, but you know, maybe killing the wife was not the best idea. Maybe she should have had, the strong female role, which would have immediately established a rapport between the characters and kind of had, because the things I didn't like about her role were kind of like everything that happens when you have a female in a role like that. It's just, it felt so tropey and, and uninspired that I feel like if you, yeah, that's a good word for if it. You had, if you had left uh, a little bit more of a dynamic between you would have had between a husband and a wife in the same role. I think I would have enjoyed it better. Yeah, I agree with that. I did like there is an <laughs> you may not know what I'm referring to right here, but I did like towards the end of the movie. There is a uh, a very slight 
reference. I would say it's a very where's feckish moment. Very uh, the spy who loved me. Where's feckish? I don't know if you know what I'm talking about, but nope. But I'm, I'm rolling with you. Let's go. Go, go look it up, kids. Um, <laughs> but yeah, there's there's a very where's feckish moment at the end of the King's Man. Um, it's not identical, but it certainly felt very where's feckish. I'm sure Roger Moore is looking down and he was proud at that moment. But uh, but yeah, I mean, overall, it, you know, the action was very Matthew Vaughn-y. Yeah, it was definitely a Matthew Vaughn picture. You, you, it, there was it, no way to mistake it. There was no Matrixy stuff, but there was the moments, and I'm sure people have probably seen it in trailers, but there's a moment where Ray Fiennes literally plants his foot on a yak or a goat. Maybe it's a mountain goat. Plants his, and uses that to hoist, like jump off. He jumps off of a goat to get atop of this giant plateau, this giant mountain. And it was so video game-ish, but at the same time, it actually somehow felt less fantastical than the ending to Kingsman <laughs> Yes, when we went into Matrix land. <laughs> you know, Matthew Vaughn is like the brighter, whiter Zack Snyder. <laughs> I do everything Zack Snyder does, but with lights. That is an amazing, you know what? We need that on a t-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> we need some sort of a clever rhyming scheme for what we are, what the CIC is. <laughs> uh, the, uh, we'll have to work on that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, we could workshop it right now, but nobody wants to listen to nobody that. Nobody wants to listen to that. But uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I'm sure we'll eventually pick it apart. Yeah, it's definitely got to be on the list somewhere. I, I imagine we'll yeah. do number two first and then do this one as a matter of course. But uh, indeed, but uh, uh, yeah, I, I could sum it up very simply by saying it's the second best John Steed movie I've ever seen. Indeed. And uh, probably the second best Gemma Arteron movie I've ever seen. So That's fair. Uh, there's that too. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, yeah, so I don't know. That's about all I can all I can say without giving things away. Yeah, absolutely. Everybody should see it. It is not horrible. No, uh, absolutely. And and if, 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 if I if I gave that impression, I don't think it's horrible. I just no, 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 no. It's no. just a very flawed movie. But Matthew Vaughn is good at making entertaining cinema. Absolutely. You know, and if you're a fan of the franchise, I mean, you get you get the sort of inside scoop of what was going on uh, to get them where they're at. So, I mean, it's, it's a, it's a valuable piece of historical information for the in universe people. Um, yes. <laughs> and, and you're not going to be disappointed watching it. Just don't go in thinking you're going to see high art because it is not high or art. I kind of think this is Matthew Vaughn's last, you know, sort of swan song, sort of put a little bow on it. And then now I can move off and start the franchise of um argyle you right. know what i mean like right I, I think he just he wanted to go back and he wanted to do this and the golden circle gave him just enough money that the studio said sure go make your your passion project and make the prequel and i'm sure mm. it'll do fine <laughs> in the theaters <laughs> which he brings up that old specter of what if there hadn't been a pandemic right so yeah there well there you go hard to know Hard to know. But uh, yeah, I think that's about all I can uh, 
That's all I got. Kingsman. So that's all I got to say on the subject, or as Forrest Gump would say, that's all I have to say about that. Yes, but if you have something to say about the Kingsman, we would love to hear about it. So please uh, get in touch with us. Interact. Uh, our email is uh, cicdeaddrop at gmail.com. You can talk to us on Instagram at Central Intelligence Cinema, uh, spaced by underscores, or on Twitter at CIC Spy Pod. So, uh, yeah, let us let us know what you think about it. And, uh, you know, we can uh, we can always do a, <laughs> a listener mail if we ever had enough. <laughs> <laughs> so that's basically a direct indictment on all of you tens of listeners to get that's out right. there and be more vocal about what you want to hear and what you want to say. That's right. That's right. Get out there and do it. And hey, speaking of you tens of listeners, um, <laughs> we're trying to get you guys up to at least 100. Maybe even 20, you know, we're, we're good. Um, <laughs> so if we got to stay in the double digits, we'd like to get into those higher double digits. So, yes, you know, yes, if indeed. you are enjoying this podcast, if you love it, you hate it, but you think we're funny anyway, you're going to listen, you know, why don't you go ahead and give us a five-star review on any of those fine platforms you can find this wonderful podcast. I wouldn't even mind if we were referred to as the car crash you can't look away from of podcasts. <laughs> hey, you know, if we could rhyme that, that could be our tagline. That could be our tagline. I'll work on it for next okay. episode. All right. I'll work on it for next episode, <laughs> which hopefully will be coming sooner than the last thing. But then again, I had a lot of stuff happening. There was things. There were things. COVID's a bitch, man. Anyway, with that, I'm Ben. And I'm Jason. And the CIC will return with more missions, more martinis, and more mayhem.